Cold Stove Podcast, presented by Wash Media, live from the Lodge in Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Brett Merriman, at Schmerriman on Twitter. Not in is NRD today, but that's because we are very, very excited to be joined by a special guest, the first special guest on the Cold Stove Podcast. He's very handsome. He has beaten the Invisible Enemy twice now in five months. He is... Valley Sports National NHL insider slash writer slash all things uh, for the NHL for Valley and host of the Listen to Brunch podcast and Tomato Fights. Catch that on Spotify and for some reason not iTunes. I guess we can get into that later, but that's Pete Blackburn. Pete, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I can't complain. I cannot complain. It is 62 and sunny uh, in Austin, Texas, and I did not get acupuncture or cupping therapy this morning how'd that go? i did it's not 62 degrees here uh in boston massachusetts i did get acupuncture and cupping therapy this morning and it feels like i was beaten with a pillowcase full of quarters uh for like an hour this morning i am in a lot of pain right now you know it, it's one of the like do they do which one do they do first acupuncture it's like acupuncture for uh, what what feels like two hours, because you're just like sitting there face down, and I had to wear a mask so I could barely breathe, um, but I think that it's like for like 35, 40 minutes, you sit there with the needles in, and then they do cupping for like 10 to 15 minutes after the fact. See, I'm, I'm intrigued by the needle part of this. Like, I, I feel like that would be something I enjoy, because that doesn't necessarily hurt, right, if they're doing it correctly? No, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't hurt. Um, it's, it's more like uncomfortable. Because you have to sit or like laying face down for 40 minutes, can't check your phone, can't like move your arms or whatever. You just got to like lay face down for an hour. That's tough. And then the cupping, that is the, that's the interesting feeling one, I would imagine. I've never that's been. The, yeah, that one actually feels awesome. Like it, it hurts when you're doing it a little bit, but it's sort of that like satisfying pain where it's like, you know, when you get a massage, it's sort of painful sometimes, but you're like, okay, this is going to be worth it. They, uh, it like really like sort of grabs you. And then after like 15 minutes, they take them off. And when they take them off, it feels so good. Man, in the words of John Mellencamp, make it hurt so good. That's right. That's right. Pete, welcome to the Cold Stove Podcast. We are uh, your one-stop shop for NHL rumors, speculation, news, notes, and everything that breaks around the league. Tell me a little more about what you do with, uh, with Bally before we get into what's going on this week. Uh, I am the lead NHL analyst slash hot take artist for ValleySports.com, um, and uh, I've been there for about um, close to a year at this point, um, so I'm, I lead their NHL coverage. Me and, uh, me and Frank Saravalli do a lot of stuff together for Bally, and um, video stuff, writing, and hopefully uh, soon podcasting. We'll Ooh. see. It's part of the reason why I was not able to partake full-time in this podcast, which I was upset yes. about. Um, but hopefully I'll be in the uh, the hockey podcasting game, a direct competitor to this year podcast at some point soon. Well, very glad that I allowed you to plug everything there before you do uh, compete. <laughs> you More importantly, your tenure as the Buffalo Sabres um, GM or head coach, was it? On Twitch? Uh, player, coach, GM, all of the above. Just a real renaissance man. Right. Yeah. No, I wanted to get, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on, on how, you, how you did as, your, uh, as renaissance man of the Buffalo Sabres. 
Uh, I did pretty well in my uh, my NHL 21 franchise. Um, I did a franchise with the Buffalo Sabres. Wanted to take them from the basement to the top of the mountain. We succeeded. They won the Stanley Cup in season number one. Uh, had some hurdles to to cross over. Tomas, uh, I allowed uh, I allowed the chat, the Twitch stream chat, to sabotage the franchise in any way that they possibly could. And when we finished the season, the only player remaining on the roster that started was Jack was one Jack Eichel, <laughs> and he did not get to raise the Stanley Cup as captain of the Buffalo Sabers because he suffered a concussion in uh, in Game Five of the Stanley Cup Final, Come on. one in six. <laughs> <laughs> so he was uh, he was up in the press box uh, while the team celebrated down on the ice. How fitting! How fitting! He is yeah. uh, he's now skating with the Vegas Golden Knights. I don't know if you saw that yesterday. He got back on the ice wearing a non-contact jersey for the first time, and he have mm-hmm. a very candid um, press conference afterwards. His first interaction with the media. Your your thoughts on the Jack Eichel saga as a whole, and, and how excited are you f- to see him in Vegas? Well, as a whole, I mean, it's a shame. I, I wanted to see him work out in Buffalo because I think Buffalo does deserve some good things coming their way at some point, especially, Thank you, Pete. Thank you. Uh, especially in the hockey realm. I wanted to see Jack work there, um, but I think by the time that that saga resolved itself or got resolved, everybody was sort of happy to see it happy to see something happen because the longer Jack Eichel is just on the shelf wasting away and and wasting prime years of his career it's bad for hockey it's bad for the Sabres Uh, obviously I don't think they wanted to trade Jack Eichel and I don't think they wanted to trade Jack Eichel for what they ended up getting for him Um, but you know it, it got to a point where it was past the point of no return and you just needed to move on and get that cloud away from your franchise and, and stop it from hanging over the team. So, uh, you know, it's a bummer, but, um, but you know, I'm excited about Jack in Vegas. I think it's a, it's a pretty cool landing spot. He's got a chance to, uh, to make up for some lost time here because they've got a good team over there. They should be very competitive. They've had some tough luck this season, but I'm excited to see what sort of top six they're going to be able to put together with Jack Eichel in the mix. It should be really, really exciting, and he should have an opportunity to be extremely productive over there. I can't wait. That power play is going to be fun. I watched their whole game against Toronto last night, and um, they, they have some pieces over there. I love Leonard as a goalie. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see come probably like next month at this it's point. Crazy. You know, it's crazy. After I mean, like, whatever break they do where the Olympics would have been, um, I know yeah. teams are going to be making up games at that point, but... I, we're, and it should be interesting to see like what kind of player he is because obviously this is a, a unprecedented surgery. He has hasn't played in in over a year, and so there's going to be rust. There's going to be some adjustments with the the post surgery sort of uh, impact, or and so I'm excited to see what he's got, what he looks like, and and how he meshes with that with that new club. No doubt, and and there's like it's a neck issue, so obviously a shot might aggravated or or you know I, I don't think players will do this on other teams but the amount of targeting he receives to that neck perhaps in the corners and the face-off circle so it'll be interesting to see how well he comes back I think the skating will be the skating that we've always known out of Jack and that is otherworldly um, a, a team that does not necessarily have the same injury issues I guess but one that has made noise the last couple of days is your own Boston Bruins Pete they have resigned to rest one year, one million dollar, prorated down to like five forty-five for the rest of the season. 
Mm-hmm. How excited are you to have Tuca back between the pipes? Uh, I'm excited. I'm, I'm a huge Tuca guy. Uh, I've been one of the fiercest Tuca defenders in during his career in Boston because uh, anybody who pays attention sort of knows that for some reason or another, a lot of Bruins fans are extremely hard on Tuca. He's the easy scapegoat in a lot of uh, a lot of situations. It's just sort of like, you know, because the goalie is the last line of defense, if things go wrong, it's super easy to point the finger at the guy who the puck went past last. Um, so Tuca gets a lot of blame. Uh, I... I'll be super, super disappointed if he retires and ends his career without a Stanley Cup as a starter, or at least as like a a prominent fixture. Um, he's got a Stanley Cup, but obviously it was the Tim Thomas playoff run. Uh, I want to see him get one. As a Bruins fan, I want to see them win, but I really, really want to see them win with Tuca and Net, um, just to shut all those people up because Tuca has been one of the best and most consistent goalies in the NHL for the past decade plus. So it drives me insane that uh, that he gets so much hate. I'm excited to see him in. I don't know. I don't know if he's necessarily going to be like the X factor that takes them over the top, but uh, I don't think that he's going to hurt. And I just as a, on a personal level, I like to see him in the lineup. So I'm happy that he's back. I'm happy that um, you know there he's going to get one more chance at least to uh, to get it done. Does this mean we've seen the last of Jeremy Swayman this year? No, I certainly wouldn't say that. I mean, especially with COVID and, and the possibility of injuries. I mean, we don't even know what, what Tuca's going to be capable of because he's coming off hip surgery. Uh, he obviously had a good year last year, and a couple of years ago he was uh, uh, the runner-up for Vezina. So I, he's still capable, um, but it's cer- it's no certainty that, that this is what they're going to carry for the rest of the season with Tuca and Olmark. Like, there could be injuries, there could be COVID, could be just a lot of rust. They could decide that they want to carry three at some point. Uh, you know, it's one of the things that I liked is that when Swayman was told that he was being demoted, he, like he immediately just said, "Well, what happens if one of these two guys struggles? Is it my net again?" And and Don Sweeney said it. He was like, "That's what you love to hear. That's what I wanted to hear." And so I think Swayman's got a future as the number one here. If he's, I think he's certainly still in the picture if things go wrong down the second half. And so uh, we haven't seen the last of Jeremy Swimming, that's for sure. Couldn't agree more. I, and I, it's fun to see the past, present, and future um, with the Bruins in net. But uh, is there a part of you that wishes Dan Vladar was still in the mix here? Uh, only, only in the sense that I wish that they didn't sign Linus Holmark, honestly. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, you Zing. see what Dan Vladar. That's it's not real. That's not even like a personal thing against Linus Olmark. I, I think that Linus Olmark is is a serviceable goalie. He, he has not been the biggest problem, but I think that it was just, just a very unnecessary signing, especially with the term that they gave him. The fact that he has a no movement clause, it sort of just makes their life a little bit more difficult. And I do understand why they signed him. They wanted some st- stability with Tuca being uh, a big question mark and. Uh, Jeremy Swayman being so inexperienced. They just wanted some stability at the goaltending position because it's so important to have goaltending. And this is a team that, that needs to get it done within like the next year or two because their window is closing. So they made a big swing with Linus Olmark. I think it was unnecessary. Uh, and now it puts them in a weird spot. You know, Dan Vladar has, has worked out in Calgary. So it's like, you know, you could have had two guys, Jeremy Swayman and Dan Vladar, both young guys, both unproven, but both who have had success this year, How and you'd be in a much better too? position. 
Huh? I said, how about cheap too? Right, way cheaper and way more, um, way more, or way less of a commitment. And even when you look at the goaltending market this past summer, there were so many veteran guys who signed with like one-year deals, just looking for uh, you know a chance. And you could even look at uh, Mark Andre Fleury; they got him for nothing. Obviously, the money isn't isn't spectacular, but like you could have taken a short-term shot with a veteran goaltender rather than going out and getting Linus Allmark. So. It just, you know, it bums me out that they have to send down Swayman because Linus Allmark's contract is what it is. Yeah, and in Buffalo, it, it, it was, he did come out of Buffalo with a winning record somehow. So right. there, there's something to him. percentage. Yeah, there's something to him. He, he, his always, biggest thing with him has always been staying healthy. Um, so, I am super impressed. Like, he, he hasn't been a problem, but his lateral movement is pretty slow. Uh, gives up some pretty juicy rebounds, mm-hmm. and he's an adventure sometimes, man. He really is. Uh, it's like for one of the big reasons why people uh, hate on Tuca, I think, around here is because he's boring. Like he's so fundamentally sound mm-hmm. that it is boring sometimes, and it is the opposite with Linus Allmark. He's <laughs> just like an adventure, and a lot of the times, adventure is bad when it comes to goaltending. It's the uh, the Dominic Hasek school of goaltending, where it's like, oh my god, he just made that ridiculous save. But it's you'd prefer him in the net more often. Yeah. Than <laughs> right. <laughs> what my my favorite edge saber on your team, uh, not your team, but the Boston Bruins right now is Curtis Lazar. Um, it's just one of those fourth line guys that you you would love to have on your team and you hate to play against, sort of that pestrel. And you have a few of those guys. But how much do you miss uh, one of your veterans, David Krejci, right now heading into the postseason? Yeah, I think you definitely miss him. Uh, you know, I think that the the second line has gotten a bit of a spark of late um, with with Pasta going down to the to the second line and them sort of spreading it, spreading things Crazy out a little bit. To see that, by the way, it is. But I mean, like it it's it makes sense um, because they were relying so much on that top line, um, and it, it sucks to to break those guys up because they are so good. But you need you need more sustainability throughout the lineup, and that's what they're getting now. They're getting more contributions uh, and steady steady performance in lines from one through four, and that's exactly what they needed. So uh, I do think they miss David Krejci, and I do think that there's going to be uh, potentially a look at what they could bring in to uh, to strengthen themselves down the middle and and. and uh, sort of open up that depth a little bit. But, yeah, I, I mean, losing David Krejci absolutely hurt. Yeah, and, and who knows what the future holds with him, but I'm glad to see him enjoying himself in the Czech League, uh, lighting it up, in, yeah. in, as one would say. A, a place where you do obviously need some help is on the blue line. You know, you have one of the best young defensemen in Charlie McAvoy. After that, it gets it gets a little... It gets a little yeah. light pretty quickly, and I wanted to. This is breaking news here, reporting from NRD and Cold Stove Podcast. Klingberg, uh, John Klingberg from Dallas, very much in the mix in Boston. Would love it. Would what does What does that guy do to a defense core in, in Boston right away? Well, I think he just provides stability. I mean, you got a big body back there. I mean, they love they love the size, but it's like, and it's you know, it's a situation where. You know, they brought in Derek Forbert and not crazy about him, um, but, you know, they, they wanted bodies back there. And my problem with what the Bruins have done over the past few years on the blue line is that they just love stacking, like, third-pairing guys and calling it depth. 
they'll have mm-hmm. like five of those dudes who just Mike Riley is a perfect example. I think Mike Riley is is uh, is hit or miss, and when he's good, boy, he, he's a he's a real nice puck moving defenseman. But you know, they just have like these guys that are like you know they'll 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 scratch, they'll be in and out of the lineup, but they're m- mostly like third pairing, fourth to sixth defensemen, and they have like five of those guys, <laughs> and they're like, well, look at all this depth, and it's like, well, no. Depth is you have to have the high end guys, and then preferably a bunch of middle middle guys, so that you can like not stack up a bunch of low end guys. And right now they have a bunch of low end guys. Um, like when John Moore and and Euro Vakaninen, I I like Euro Vakaninen. I think that he's got a a pretty decent ceiling. But like if if your third pairing is Euro and John Moore. I would be quite afraid of that pairing heading into the playoffs. Not to mention, you're you're absolutely right. And not to mention, like when you look at the prospect pool of defensemen for for Boston, it, there's no Owen Power in the system. No, no. I mean, the, the Bruins system is pretty soft. Like, there's not a whole lot uh, to look forward to, and so that's that's sort of number one why they have to go for it right now. Like, because they have this window with Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, and, like, some of the guys there who are who are running out of time. Like, they're heading towards the twilight of their careers, if not there already. So you got to go for it because, you know, you're not really building towards anything right now. I mean, you have Charlie McAvoy and David Pasternak, but those guys are already here. They're already contributing. They're already some of the best players on the team. So got to go for it now. And, uh, you know, that's also a reason why I think that at some point Don Sweeney needs to be way better at drafting because <laughs> they've got nothing in the system. And once the window is closed for, for the window that they're in right now, once that window is closed, they got to start building something else. It, it feels bleak. Uh, it, you know, when you look down the road a little bit, it does feel bleak. Uh, a guy that, you know, is, is sort of seemed to wear out his welcome in Boston. And I wanted to get your thoughts on this because I, I like him as a player. But a guy like Jake DeBrusque, mm-hmm. who, for whatever reason, it has not clicked, is that more on DeBrusque? Is that on uh, the head coach? Where, where do you find Jake DeBrusque moving forward with this team? Uh, I mean, I think it, it, it's... A lot of it falls on Jake DeBrusque, I would say. Um like, I like Jake DeBrusque, good player, I think a really good dude, awesome locker room guy, very well liked uh, within that team. But the thing about Jake DeBrusque is the inconsistency with both his performance and seemingly, like, his motor are is a real problem. Um, because when he's good and when he's going he is extremely valuable piece to have in the lineup because he is like this high energy player uh guy who can score um you know can is sort of like shot out of out of a cannon when he's going at full speed but the problem is he gets discouraged and i do think that the the effort level and the compete level does dip and that's where a lot of the frustration comes with coaching and so like the coach, he can, and I think that there's some resentment on both sides when it comes to that because, you know, the coach will resent DeBrusque for, for not giving 
and then take away opportunities from DeBrusque. And then DeBrusque will then in turn have resentment towards the coaching staff for taking away those opportunities. And it's just sort of a, a back and forth in like this cycle of resentment. And it eventually leads to a point where we reached this season where Jake DeBrusque wants a trade because he wants to start somewhere new. And I think that, you know, I want to see that for him because I think that it might light a fire under, under him. A new beginning might allow him the opportunity to start out, start out from square one and really sort of develop a, uh, a new relationship with a club and give 100% every single night and go from there. Because I think that it's a situation where he could benefit from the fresh start. Do you, does he feel like the guy, so presumably he move him for pieces to build for the future. Is that not a guy that you put up with a Marchand and Bergeron on that play, that right wing, over the next month leading to the trade deadline and just say, we're going to light a fighter under your ass, you're playing for your next team, and here's your audition. Is that something that you do if you're the coach? No, I don't think so, because, I mean, they've, they've given Jake DeBrusque his opportunities, and I don't think it's a situation where you're going to mess with what they have competing this year and moving Jake DeBrus to the right side. You know, I don't think I don't think it's a situation where they're willing to sacrifice team performance for the sake of showcasing a guy that they trade. Like right now, Jake DeBrus the the real the real solution would have been to trade Jake DeBrus in the offseason because uh you know, it was the off season. Yet you would have gotten a full year of him, um, and now you sort of lose some leverage with him requesting a trade. You lose some leverage with him not necessarily playing super well on uh, every every night. So, like his trade value is as low as it's going to be. And I don't think that a desperation move to jack that up is something that the Bruins are going to be interested in. Before we. Uh, head west on I-90 out of Boston. I want to talk to our, uh, our friends over at Ritual, Pete. We deserve to know what we're putting in our bodies and why, especially when it comes to something we take every day. And Ritual's clean, vegan-friendly multivitamin is formulated with high-quality nutrients in bioavailable forms your body can actually use. Here's what you will not find in Ritual's vitamins. Sugars? Nope. GMOs? Uh-uh. Major allergens, synthetic fillers, and artificial colorants get out of here. Plus, the fresh taste and delayed release time capsule uh, design makes taking your vitamins easy. You ever take vitamins, Pete, and it kind of sit in your stomach, give you a little nasty feeling or nasty breath? Uh, no, I'm not a big vitamins, vitamins guy. I, I famously don't like taking care of myself. Well, here's, here's why you need to get on the ritual, Pete, because they, they go to a, a place in your stomach that's actually less sensitive, so you feel like nothing. And, and they've been a part of my day for months at this point. I love them because of the little smell. You get the little minty, fresh feeling, and then you just, you just kind of feel great throughout the day. It's, it's awesome. A multivitamin should contain key nutrients, by the way, and forms your body can actually use to help fill gaps in your diet with no shady extras. We're talking vitamin D3 um, and, and, and all kinds of different stuff that you need or your body needs in just two daily pills. They also have the, uh, the supply chain part of this, where you can see exactly where your vitamins are coming from. Patented technology. I don't know if it's patented. Don't quote me on that. But it, it's technology that makes everything interesting with your multivitamin. 
Get key nutrients without the BS. Ritual is offering listeners of Cold Stove 10% off during your first three months of use. Visit ritual.com slash stove to start your ritual today. Um, Pete, a team that actually Jake DeBrusque has been sort of connected to um, and has been in a tailspin, especially in your power rankings on Valley Sports, is the Edmonton Oilers. Do, do you see a, a scenario where Edmonton does, you know, pulls a Boston and breaks up that first line a little bit to ensure they're not going to miss the playoffs this year? Uh, it's possible. I mean, we've seen them take take uh, Connor McDavid and, and, and Leon Dreisaitl apart and try to spread it out through the lineup. But, like, the, the problem there is and, and tends to be that, like, they get their lifeless corpse dragged across the finish line by Connor <laughs> McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And, you know, it, if you can have a line in which those two guys are thriving, like, it is completely unfair to any opponent, and there's, like, very little you can do to match up with it on any given night. Uh, and so, like, the, the better solution it would to be to get other good players <laughs> in that lineup uh, and, you know, fill out the lineup and... Uh, and, you know, the front office, it's just been a failure of the front office to complete the lineup around those guys. Uh, you know, I'd be interested to see if Evander Kane enters the mix there. I think that that would be probably, like, the most, if I had to guess, like, it would be the most likely and most sensible uh, destination for an Evander Kane at this point in time. So uh, I'm, I'm curious to see if he, if he enters the mix there. Yeah, I was going to, I mean, on that point, if, if you are trying to figure out a team and you're sort of desperate for something to happen, I know goaltending has not exactly been the strength of the Edmonton Oilers. So maybe you do something there. If they've, we've heard the DeBrusque rumors. We've heard the Klingberg rumors. Like, they need somebody. And Evander Kane certainly represents quite the shakeup, both to the locker room and to the forward lines. So we'll see. Reportedly, Edmonton is, is very close there. I've also heard Tampa. I've also heard Florida. But uh, as of today, I guess, Elliot Friedman reporting that Ed Vander Kane crossed the border, uh, potentially with COVID, into Canada. They do not take quite nicely to people doing that up there in Canada. So uh, some cold water has been thrown on the Evander Kane situation for now. Any any comment on, on Evander Kane in general? Not necessarily the hockey player, but the situations he's put himself and his teams in? Well, I mean, my overall thoughts are that obviously the talent is there, but the guy just can't stop shooting himself in the foot and getting in his own way. Um, and, you know, it's it's unfortunate. You You want to see a guy like that on the ice because of his talent. And, you know, he's coming off a career year and he still is a player that can provide a lot of value, especially in today's NHL, where you don't see a lot of those players that have the mix of toughness and skill. Uh, He's a valuable commodity. He's still can obviously play, as we saw last year. Uh, But it's also a situation where until a guy like that starts to show some accountability, both for past behavior 
and also accountability for right now and where he's at and where he's put himself, you know, it's, it's may not be worth the gamble for a lot of teams because not only is he an off ice distraction with some of the shit that he does, um, both in terms of like headlines and, and getting his team in trouble and things like that. He's also been known to actively make his team worse and make a situation worse within his own building in his own locker room. Like it's been well documented that guys that he's played with don't like him. And uh, that continues to pop up. So for any team that is interested in taking a shot at Evander Kane, and it does seem like that's going to happen. I think that the Oilers are probably the most likely based on what they need in terms of skilled wingers and a little bit of toughness and, uh, you know, just in terms of the, the team trending in the wrong direction. You know, if there's a team that's that's willing to take a shot at Evander Kane, they have to consider whether it's not only worth the gamble, no pun intended uh, with his gambling issues, <laughs> not only worth the gamble, um, but like, is it worth the chance of just making your own situation worse? Because Evander Kane is not only, not only, uh, you know, potentially like gonna kick himself out of the league. He also may throw your own locker room into just a blender and make that situation worse. So uh, it's unfortunate, but I do think that he's going to get another another chance. And I hope that he, I hope that he does as much as he can with it. And I hope that he turns his career around. But I don't have a ton of faith in that at this point because he hasn't shown accountability. No doubt, you hate to see uh, you hate to see a guy kick himself out of the league more or less for repeated, repeated, repeated violations of multiple different protocols. But you always hope, you know, Evander Kane or or anybody really that that they can figure it out in the end and become a contributing member of not only the NHL but society. Mm-hmm. So let's move to what's going on this week. Uh, Pete, on Thursday night, the Bruins host the Philadelphia Flyers at 7 p.m. on ESPN. Rumor has it uh, from my friend NRD that the USA Olympic rosters will be announced during that game, um, along with potentially the All-Star Game rosters. What are you excited for now? You know, no NHL players, obviously, but anybody, anything you're looking forward to about the Olympic hockey tournament that we can... Uh, we can kind of take moving forward, even though it's not going to be as best on best as we had hoped. Uh, well, I mean, I, I think that the like for me, the real sort of juice is going to be in the young players that make the roster, because ideally I would have loved to see them just take the, the world junior team that didn't get to play and throw them on the Olympic ice and make that the tournament. I don't really have much interest in watching like a bunch of career AHLers or uh, guys that have been playing overseas. Like we've we've seen a lot of those guys sort of get thrown into the mix. But for me, the excitement lies in like guys like Matty Beniers, who uh, you know obviously is the is going to be one of the future pieces of the NHL, and that's what I want to see. I don't want to see past pieces of the NHL or the AHL. That's that's not exciting to me. I want to see the young guys because they play a more exciting brand of hockey. It opens up the game a little bit, especially on Olympic ice. It could be a very fun, imperfect hockey, which is what we typically see at the World Juniors, which is why it's so fun. Totally. And you know what I am? You know, obviously, like Owen Powers on the short list for Canada. As a Sabres fan, I'm excited to see him play. 
um, not only with with guys like Matty Beniers or against guys like Matty Beniers, but with older guys to see, you know, it's, it really is a trial run on how he, he's 6'5", 225. He can clearly physically be there, but can he uh, strength-wise, can he, you know, handle a, a new type of game? So I'm, I'm really intrigued to see that. You know what I'm also intrigued about the Olympics, Pete, is the women's tournament, which every time the Olympics roll around, how fun is it to see the U.S. and Canada just go at each other? And I'm hoping that we have best on best there as well yeah yeah i hope it's best on best and i hope that we get usa canada because i mean for as much as i love uh you know the world juniors and as much as i love you know usa best on best men's against uh canada best on best men's the usa canada women's rivalry has been like the best thing in hockey for a a long time, mm-hmm. like a decade plus. And so those two teams always seem to meet each other, like the absolute superpowers of the world. And if we don't get that, I'll be super, super disappointed. But it, it's almost like clockwork at this point where we're going to get that no matter what. And it somehow pretty much always lives up to the hype. Uh, and so that's probably with, with the men's not being best on best anymore, that is going to be pretty much like my number one thing to look forward to at the Olympics is the women's uh, hopefully USA versus Canada. It's, it's up there for me too. If not number one, number two behind the ski jumping for some reason, I think ski jumping is cool as hell. And like the Olympic bobsled. I love when they, you know, I saw a bobsled uh, tournament, Pete, the world cup in person in Lake Placid one time. And until you're right next to those things and seeing how fast they actually go, you have no like appreciation for it. It's like when you go to Augusta for the first time, the elevation change. When you can't see the sleds going by you because they're going 85 miles an hour, it's like, holy fuck. But, yeah. Very I, uh, I love the, um, what do they call it? The the hills? The, is it it's slalom? Sl- uh, is it- the, yeah, there's a bunch of different skiing events, but slalom is like the quick. Um, what's, there's that. what's the one with like, oh, all you're, the, you're, the hills, uh, the terrain ones? Uh, like uh, slope style or like mogul skiing where they mogul moguls. Yeah. That's what it is. The mogul skiing is the craziest thing because that's just like inviting somebody to just come and murder your knees. It's insane. I don't understand I don't, how people do that. Don't understand how people do that. And then the uh, the aerial skiing where they go down like this and then they go oh, off the yeah, 30 yeah. foot ramp and yeah. do 100 spins and land. I, oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. These athletes. I could do like biathlon maybe. Just out for a country country ski and uh, then you shoot some guns. (laughs) I want to know who invented that one. It's like, all right, cross country skiing, but they got guns. I think it was uh, like not to be history buff here. I think it's like a World War II thing where they they kind of trained in like mountain units to be effective on the front lines in the in like the Alps and shit. And uh, not not to get super dark. Not to get super dark, but, <laughs> oh like, boy. war would be way cooler if it was, like, that <laughs> and not drone strikes these days. Like, right, yeah. There's no, there's, no, uh, there's no real, like, heart behind a drone strike. No, it's not just at all. very, very impersonal. But you got, you got a guy from the other, sky, other side cross-country skiing onto your, onto your land and then shooting you. At least you can respect somebody for putting that kind of effort. A hundred percent. It feels like a James, like imagine a James Bond movie where they're downhill skiing with like pistols through trees. I can respect. I'm pretty sure like that, that was a Goldeneye level. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that might actually exist already. Oh, man. Pete, are you ready for everybody's favorite segment on Cold Stove Podcast? I am, yes. This is called Say Something Nice, Say Something Mean. I have three organizations that I'd like you to say something nice about, three that I'd like you to say something mean about. Your pick on which side we go first. Uh, I, I say let's do mean first. Because you got mean, it. Is, mean is my brand. You got it. Let's say, uh, say something mean, Pete Blackburn, about the Carolina Hurricanes. Oh, Carolina Hurricanes. Okay. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes, are s- their, their social presence has <laughs> gone from quirky and enjoyable to just over the top, shut the hell up. Like, it's, they've really sort of overstayed their welcome in the zany zone. And uh, everybody rushes to love the Carolina Hurricanes online presence, but I'm sick of it. They're, uh, they've sort of overextended themselves a bit. Totally agree. It, it was it was fun for the first. I mean, like like most things on social media, it's fun once or twice, and then it's like, oh, now brands are a part of this. And it's beating mm-hmm. the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pete Blackburn, say something mean about the New York Rangers. Ooh, something mean about the New York Rangers. Um, man, wow! I don't know, I guess, I, the, I, the Boston in you is not showing. No, I mean, like, I don't have anything personal against the, the New York Rangers. I guess the meanest thing that I could say about Rangers fans is that most of them are most of them are Yankees fans, and <laughs> yeah, and we all know the Yankees fans are the worst people in the world. Sure. So, I I don't know why it doesn't necessarily translate to to Rangers fans, but uh, I guess like the the mean thing that I could say about the Rangers this year is that. They've been in the top five to top ten teams like almost all year long, and I'm still not buying it. Uh, I still don't think mm. that they have, still don't think they have like the depth and the consistency to to swing with the big boys. So I think that they're pretenders, at least for now. I think that they're like maybe a a good a good trade deadline away from being a legit team. Yeah, I, I wanted you to say something mean because I'm just jealous of them since they have uh, entered and then completed a rebuild in about half as much time as it's taken for Buffalo to piss down their light for a decade. So That's true, but they also fired the people that got them that expedited rebuild. Really interesting scenario there, but I'm, I'm happy for Chris Drury because, like, how can you not be? And uh, I think everybody else has landed on their feet in the mm-hmm. old boys club of the NHL. Quite mm-hmm. nicely, in fact. Pete, say something mean about the Colorado Avalanche. Ooh, uh, something mean about the Colorado Avalanche. Um, well, I mean, they they wasted the first month and a half of the season just being completely mediocre, and now we're starting to see them be the powerhouse that we thought they were going to be. So that, that's not super mean. I guess I could be mean and say that Nathan McKinnon is the worst Twitch streamer that I've seen an athlete Ooh. be. He is... He has the personality on Twitch of uh, just like a, just an absolute wet dishcloth. Uh, <laughs> it's it's tough. It's tough to watch, but it also it's tough to watch. But it, it I keep coming back because it is so fascinating that oh, no. he he streams on Twitch, but he seems to hate every second of it, and yet he still keeps doing it. That's wild. It's, so you do you now believe the like the he wouldn't let guys have Chick Fil A and. And wouldn't let guys eat ice cream, and and, t- and turn the facility yeah. into like this green pasture of of chicken and rice. Yeah, I can believe that. 
Dude is dude is unreal. But hey, hey, if you're Nathan McKinnon, I guess you can do what you want. Right. It's it's one of those things where it's like you you can get away with being an asshole. And I'm not saying that Nathan McKinnon is an, is an asshole. I think that he may very well be a very nice person. But uh, some of the things that he's gotten away with, he wouldn't be able to get away with if he wasn't like one of the best hockey players in the world. Totally fair. Pete, let's go to say something nice. Are you ready? Yes. Say something nice about the Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> They're still in the NHL. <laughs> uh they have outstanding uniforms. They seem to be uh they seem to be All right, here's here's a nice thing that I will say about the Arizona Coyotes. They are doing a uh they are doing a rebuild right in the way that they're committing to it. They are committing to putting together uh one of the worst teams that I've ever seen. They're committed to eating shit for <laughs> at least one season uh in full and just like really taking their lumps in order to secure a better future for themselves. Like they're in really good position to secure Shane Wright this off season. And I think that would be huge for them. Uh, I see too many teams. I think the worst place to be in hockey and arguably sports, all of sports is to be stuck in the middle. And we mm -hmm. see a lot of teams refuse to go full in on a rebuild and get stuck in uh you know, no man's land for years and years and years because they can't, they're not, I mean, you, you raise your hand as a Sabres fan, but that's not true. They actually did commit to it, it just, and it they failed. just can't bring it around. You have to, you have to commit to it and you have to be really bad for a period of time to secure that long-term talent. And then you have to fill in the pieces after that. The right. Coyotes right now are committing to being really, really bad. They have a ton of cap space coming up moving forward, which they could plug in some pieces with that money. And I think this, the step beyond that for the for the Coyotes is securing a new home, a new arena, some stability in their actual roots, in their building, in their fan base. And so they're, they're taking some steps in the right direction, but they are like the biggest punching bag in the league right now. Now, are you uh, Team NRD and myself in that you'd like to see the Austin Coyotes, perhaps? Or are you of the camp that they are staying put? I mean, I would love to see an uh, NHL team in Austin. That oh, would be fantastic. So but I, I also would like to see the Coyotes work in Arizona. Because I do think that they have, they have established a better hockey community down in Arizona than they're given credit for. Mm -hmm. just at the local level, I would say. Um, I would like to see hockey thrive in that area because it honestly feels like we've been stuck on the pot, like waiting for the Coyotes to shit, like, for lack of a better term, term. But like, I feel pot committed to the Coyotes and seeing them work in Arizona because we've been through so much crap. It would feel good to see it turn a corner. I, I totally agree with you. And I, I lived in Phoenix in 95, 96, kind of when the, the Coyotes thing was picking up steam a little bit. And, you know, like it's one of those things like, does Austin Matthews, is Austin Matthews the Austin Matthews that we know today without the Arizona right. Coyotes? And so I know Bettman obviously wants to, this to work out. I know that some diehard Coyotes fans want this thing to work out, but the situation is pretty tenuous right now. And, and, Tempe, as of today, I think said we're we're not exactly that interested in what you guys are putting on the table. So, as this thing moves forward, hurdles are not being cleared in no. order for for a 
uh, amicable solution, I guess. And so if, if they do, if they do need to move, do you have a power rankings in your head of, of where they would go? Um, I think like Houston is the one that everybody talks about. Uh, and then, you know, obviously Quebec seems to be a uh, popular alternate. Um, how about like, uh, Portland, like Portland could be an interesting one, uh, Mm -hmm. keeps the team in somewhat of a similar area. Um, you know, I, I'm not super great with geography, but I think that that's just like near the west it's, coast it's of Pacific, the United it's States. Pacific time. I guess Arizona right. Arizona doesn't switch their times though, which is wild. So yeah, depending on so the like, time of year, Portland could be an interesting one. Okay. Um, I don't hate that. Yeah. I don't. I don't know with Seattle just just getting a team, but I, I do like thinking outside the. You know, everybody says Houston. Everybody says Quebec City. Um, that's why I kind of I kind of go with the Austin one selfishly, but. Uh, Pete, say something nice about the New York Islanders. Ooh, uh, it's been a tough season for the New York Islanders. <laughs> Not a lot of nice things to say right now. Uh, I think that the New York Islanders have one of the uh, one of my favorite fan bases in all of sports um, because, like, nobody outside of Long Island cares about the Islanders <laughs> at all, and uh, th- and that's not really an insult, like. It just it just it's a fact like nobody really cares about the Islanders outside of Long Island. But the support within Long Island is like this sort of small town sort of feel where it's like for some reason, Long Island. Like it feels like the Islanders are the only thing that they have. And so they support the Islanders with every fiber they're being. They're extremely passionate. I I went to uh, the Bruins Islanders playoff game last year at uh, at Nassau and I mean that place absolutely rocked from the parking lot to inside uh the fans super passionate like they're they the hospitality was was awesome they they uh were friendly but also like dickish in a way that I could appreciate mm-hmm. they weren't super like hostile um and I just think that it's like a blue collar fan base that loves the hell out of their team. And so I appreciate the hell out of that. Couldn't, couldn't co-sign more. I love that fan base. They interact a lot with cold stove. So I, I, we, we appreciate that very much. The safety of Lou Lamarillo and Bruce Boudreaux. Do do you see, is it Bruce Boudreaux? I'm trying to blame. Who's their coach? Uh, Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz. I I knew it was a B. Oh my God. Sorry, Adam. Sorry, Pete. It the, should be very safe. Like, yes. th- that those guys have proven that they are putting in place a system that works. And I wouldn't read too much into what's happened this year because of the the extended road trip at the beginning of the year. It's sort of like how how off the rails this season became before it even really started um, from the road trip to the new building, to COVID to injuries, like just so many things have gone wrong for this team that this season almost feels like a wash and you got to restart next season. And I certainly wouldn't pull the plug on 
one of the most successful teams in the previous two years. I mean, they reached the Eastern Conference final in in both seasons, and they were eventually knocked out by the eventual uh, Stanley Cup champions both years, and they they gave the Lightning the toughest fight that they had gotten in both those playoff runs. So I believe the Islanders know what they're doing, but it was a you know sort of a perfect storm of things going wrong this year. Totally, totally. I think the the one thing they have to be concerned about is that, like the Bruins, their prospect pool is not stacked. No. And they are getting old quickly. But a lot of guys that, that you can build around. Matt Barzell is not going to have a year next year like he's doing this year. Uh, exciting things ahead for the Islanders, I hope. Pete, last one here. Say something nice about the country of Canada. Oh, no. <laughs> uh... For those of you who don't know, there's a bit of a rivalry here. Uh... He, so here's one. Uh, they didn't lose to the United States in the World Junior Championship <laughs> this year. So congratulations. Good you, good for you, Canada. <laughs> they are undefeated against the United States in the World Juniors. At least this year. At least this year. Well, that, that was Pete, the country of Canada, uh, they thank you for that compliment. You're welcome, Canada. Before we before we get out of here, Pete, I wanted to get your opinion on something that I, I have enjoyed watching all year, and that is the Calder Trophy race. For those that don't know, that is the best rookie in the NHL. Current odds are Trevor Zegras plus 150, Lucas Raymond plus 175, Mo Sider plus 800, and Tanner Janot plus 800. If you are a betting man, which I'm not sure if you are or not, where are you putting your money, Pete? Uh, I would say, like, if I'm just going off the odds, I would probably say Lucas Raymond, and I had Lucas Raymond... Uh, as one of my favorites at the beginning of the year. But I think that Zegris is going to get it um, just, and I, it's obviously reflected in, in the odds, but he's going to get credit for the ducks turnaround. He's going to get credit for the flashiness and with which he plays, like he's going to score, he's going to score sexy points um, beyond just numbers on a page and like legitimately that guy is the future of the league. So, so totally. There's every reason to be excited about him, and I just think that like if it's even remotely close between him and Lucas Raymond or him and anybody else on the board, he's going to get a, a sizable edge just based off of public perception and just overall name brand appeal. I think that he has more than those other guys that he's going to be battling. I, You know, I, I really hope that... Trevor Zegras isn't neutered as he comes up in this NHL because guys with personality like that are so, so valuable. He should be on social. He should be on this, that, and the other thing for the, for the, uh, for the Dutch because a guy like that needs to let his personality show to grow this game. Did you see uh, his campaign video for uh, getting into the All-Star game? No, I haven't. He, he tweeted out a campaign video to get him into the All-Star game, and it was just completely comprised of highlights of him sucking um, <laughs> and it was like him falling down on the ice him like whiffing on shots uh and i just think i mean like you mentioned it there is personality behind that guy not only is he name brand in terms of his skill and the excitement that he brings on the ice but he also brings a very uh breath of fresh air personality and I'm glad that he's feeling the freedom to be able to express that and doing so in a way that's self-deprecating uh, when he has uh, 
infinite stable of highlights that he could uh, back himself up with to to throw out the lowlights, I thought was very, very cool. Absolutely. That's well done. I'm going to have to go watch that. Uh, speaking of videos that are making the rounds on Twitter, any thoughts on uh, on uh, I know one, <laughs> the, the form of Kodak Black, perhaps? I don't know if I just want to ask you straight up what happened, but uh, your, your thoughts when that started making the rounds last night? Uh, well, <laughs> first form wasn't great. I'll yeah. say that. Uh, I'm no, I'm no expert, but uh, boy, that seemed, it seemed like something was, was, there was like a, just a real, it wasn't a great chemistry going well, on on that let line. Me, let me throw out a giant allegedly here. Allegedly. There, yes. There's, there's since been released a new camera angle that, it might might turn the uh, might take it back a few bases. I, I would call it incl- inconclusive though. That camera you can't angle. overturn the call in the field. Right, that's for that's sure. Right, that's right. That's uh, right. Also, I think there's something to be said about um, doing doggy at a cats game. It seems <laughs> unconscionable. Um, so Kodak oh. Black. I mean, the Panthers have, have have had some real tough luck with their celebrity guests at uh, at games over the past few years. <laughs> I saw your tweet. Is that yeah. Ke- Kevin Spacey at the game? Kevin Spacey was like the <laughs> Florida Panthers ambassador for one season, oh, and that no. aged extremely poorly. They give Kodak Black his own suite, and it <laughs> turns it into the Red Room. And oh, man. I think that they just need to stop inviting celebrities to their games <laughs> it's already like a half hour drive anyway out of miami don't that's true it's tough man it's tough uh pete before we jump out i wanted to save some breaking news out of colorado bowen byram has left the team for personal reasons according to his father uh his concussion symptoms have returned oh no and uh for the 20 year old rookie defenseman he's going to take some time off um after this road trip he's going to stay in colorado be with the team, but he's just he's got to get right. Uh, one of the more exciting, talented young players in this league. Yeah, he's a beast. That's uh that's really upsetting. You always hate to see uh the concussion. The concussion issues are super scary because you don't know when they're going to go away, and you no. don't know uh you know anytime the brain is messed with, anytime the head is messed with, it's it's super touch and go, and so that's uh that's not great for one of the more exciting young defensemen in the league. No doubt. Hope he uh, hoping to get some the guy that did Crosby's work. Uh, I'm not sure if he was Canadian or American, but obviously Sid had a bunch of issues, and he was able to get Crosby back on his feet, albeit a long recovery time, but with some less traditional kind of therapy stuff. So, hoping Bowen Byram gets the help he needs and returns to this league to be uh, one of the more formidable defensemen on a team that already has potentially one of the best in the league, and I'd say absolutely one of the best in the league. His goal last night, Kale McCarr, uh, I didn't know skates could do that, Pete, to be honest with you. He is an absolutely absurd skater, uh, and his goal production this year is out of control. Uh, like, he could potentially score 30 goals this year, and, uh, I mean, he's a he's a human highlight reel almost every, every single night. So, Kale McCarr, absolute freak, and it's exciting that... It's exciting and scary that like that guy is still getting better every night. No doubt. No, it's just, and he has the team to do it. He has a coach that I've given some some shit in uh, Jared Bednar that I didn't think he could get them over the hump, and uh, he seems like he's going to prove me wrong this year, if not uh, if not this year, next year, I should say. But Pete, that's it for Cold Stove today. Thank you for uh, to the audience for bearing with us 
I just, they, they can't, they don't even know this is happening because my editing skills after this podcast will, will top lighten notch. It. Yeah. Top notch. But pulling about the curtain, we've had some Wi-Fi issues to, to say the least. Yeah, I made the very smart decision of uh, swapping out my modem and router right before recording this podcast and not really seeing if it worked, which <laughs> it clearly didn't. So I've got to go do that now after this. <laughs> well, that'll be fun. Pete, thank you for hopping on. Anything else before we head out? No, this was fun. Uh, hopefully I can come back. Hopefully, um, I, I don't know when when my podcasting thing is going to start. But uh, if it's not this season, hopefully I can hop back on, perhaps with you and NRD, because we had a, a good time with the the cold stove um, or the trade freeze. The trade, trade melt, I believe Trade melt, that's yes. right. Yeah, yeah. We had a blast on the trade melt. Pete, I'm looking forward to competing directly against you Hell yeah. on, the, on the hockey podcast landscape. Uh, Pete Blackburn, Bally Sports. Uh, are you at Pete Blackburn on Twitter? I am at Pete Blackburn on Twitter and at Pete Blackburn on Twitch as well. Ah, yes. Get on the streams and watch Pete do his thing. The marbles are very entertaining, as is the NHL content. Pete, thank you. We will absolutely have you back on before you're a direct competitor of ours. And uh, for the rest of y'all, follow Cold Stove at Cold Stove Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And we'll see you guys next week.